just like my grandma, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Like you can do something, but understand your purpose, like understand why you're doing what you're doing. And that's why I immediately say like it was the easy way out because I could have easily went to college. I could have easily done those things, but it was easy. It was something that I was seeing every day and I seen that other people didn't do it. Oh, I can do it better. But doing something better at the wrong thing doesn't make it right. That was one of those, I guess, the downfalls of being in that position of knowing what's right from wrong and still doing wrong. I suspect most people would agree that the last two weeks have been anything but normal. Having missed last week's drop and being behind with our next few edits, I thought it would be good to republish our first ever episode, a recording on a cold day in late 2018 on the streets of South Philadelphia with Tyree Glasgow. Tyree Glasgow, the founder of the Young Chances Foundation, an organisation providing after-school support, sports programmes and mentoring for South Philadelphia's youth. Besides running the foundation, Tariq works with the District Attorney's Office on its Focused Deterrence Initiative, an effort that targets South Philly gang members to offer an exit route from street life through job training and other services. Tariq founded the Young Chances Foundation, a 501c3 charity organisation, in 2012 as a second chance opportunity to make a better opportunities for himself, his family and his South Philadelphia Grace Ferry community. Tariq's personal story is one of radical transformation, from dealing drugs to delivering hope and opportunity. Tariq's lowest point in his life was the night in 2004 that it almost ended as he lay unconscious on the cold ground of his South Philadelphia neighbourhood, shot 11 times in the head, back, legs and arms. Surviving this life-altering trauma, he then had to serve five years in prison before returning to his Grays Ferry community as a reformed citizen with an unstoppable passion to save the children of Grays Ferry from following a similar path. In 2012, Young Chances Foundation was born. I met Tariq at a fundraising event in New York in mid-2018 and went to interview him later that year on the same street corner he used to run as a dealer. Interviewing Tariq was humbling, uplifting and inspiring. He's a beacon of possibility and a shining example of the potential that one human's courage and commitment can have. I hope you enjoy this repeat episode with Tariq Glasgow. Today I'm with Tariq Glasgow. Reek Glasgow. First of all, welcome to the show, Reek. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you. inviting me today. It's a pleasure, and it's great to be in Philadelphia. It's my first time doing the Impossible Network straight from South Philly. Oh, then it's a pleasure, then. We, we gladly accept you here, and hopefully you won't leave. Because we got some champions here, like in the Eagles. We got a oh, future yeah, champions in the Sixers, indeed. so you should be good. Yeah. And some nice food. And it's just as long as you keep the Super Bowl here this year as well. Well, we we working on that. Good. It's, it's, it's some challenges <laughs> this year, but we should be good. I'd like to just get started by talking about your amazing story, and it will probably start with your childhood. And I'd read that you created the the Young Chances Foundation, partly because you wanted to revisit your childhood. So let's begin there. Let's begin with your upbringing um, in South Philly. Can you just give us a, a bit of an overview? So I was uh, born down uh, Front Street with my grandma. She grew up on Wenton Christian Street. It was a house where it was just like a community house, I would say now. Um, it was all ages. We had at one point in time about 40 people living in there and our dog, Bosco. Um, it, it, it was fun. Um, but you didn't see all the things that you know, my grandma protected us from and inside that house, it, it looked good. It felt good, but there was a lot of issues in our house. There was a, you know, mental health, there was abuse, there was drug uh, abuse. There was a lot of things that as a child you don't see, but when you have a mother or grandmother or a team that supports and understands the bigger picture that 
that that that really covers you throughout you know your youth and when i got older i i started to realize and accept that the sacrifices that my grandmom and my mom put out for just the whole family and and provided some things and growing up i i noticed that mental health and drug abuse and sex at young ages and and just having senseless acts of violence is not something that just happened in our house it happens in our community it happens with the kids and the people that i was in school with and just a a quick question do you have brothers and sisters i do i have a little sister who is a pain but i I love her (laughs) because like he my sister says the same thing about me (laughs) (laughs) well that's probably a sibling thing like you don't you, this is a pain, but the love is just un, 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 unbearing for yeah. for anyone. And I, just to go back on, you know, the family community is the covering part. Like I, I noticed that, like they, even though they shielded us from that, like it's still reality. Like you don't understand why a mom or grandma was up crying late at night because of you know not being able to provide a meal. You know, you probably don't understand why the house is cool because bills wasn't paid on time. And it's not because that's your parents not trying, maybe because, you know, they have some financial hardship or they didn't have the proper education to provide or get a job that will meet the needs of that family. But when you have a team of individuals that want to make sure that you don't see any of that pain, you don't feel any of the stuff that they go through goes a long way. And I was just blessed to have a grandma who provided you know, that covering for our whole family. Mm-hmm. And I tried to bring that back with our organization, um, Young Chances Foundation, because there's a lot of things that kids don't need to see. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of things that's going on in our community that as adults and as leaders, we need to cover our, our families with. And so that word cover is quite important for you. Yeah. And be- it's been quite defining. Because I, I believe that you're not going to be able to outgrow anything or some things may not fit but if you can have something that covers you and just protects you through that battle you'll be cool like you can outgrow some stuff you can you know misinterpret some things Mm -hmm. but you need to have that covering over you to to bless you and have that faith throughout you know your journey so I think you probably answered one of my uh, my next question, which was I, I was asked a question recently in a, a different context, which was what's the most defining moment of your childhood? So that relationship with your grandmother presumably was yours. Yeah, and, and just saying how her relationship was our people. Um, I, I told you about the amount of people that was in there, but I didn't tell you that they was all different ages, that they are all different colors. Mm-hmm. Like it was uh, a group of uh, individuals cocoa and cream in there and and i I didn't quite understand why was that because their occupation at the time were in they were dancing but wasn't dancing on broadway so their names were cocoa and cream and i remember asking my grandma one day like why are cocoa and cream sleeping on the couch and my grandma said they did just taking the time out and for me as a child, you took timeouts when you were in trouble, mm-hmm. when you did something wrong. But in my grandmama's eyes, they were taking a timeout from that lifestyle, uh-huh. from those things that they thought was right. And as a kid, I didn't understand it until I knew that there's a lot of cocoa and creams walking around. Mm-hmm. That if you don't give them that space and that covering, that they may get lost. They may go and do something that they may not be able to you know, get get back from and 
And I've seen it in the different people that were Coco and Cream from Philly. They were from New Jersey. They were exotic dancers, mm-hmm. and they. So we lived by Delaware, the Delaware River, and like a lot of the clubs, nightclubs were down there. And one night they they made it to my grandma's house, and they didn't leave. For how long? About two months. Wow. And they worked, and my grandma. She talked to them. She prayed with them, and somehow, some way, they, they the time out was worth it, and mm. it worked out for them. It, it, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't, you know. I heard some screaming. I heard some arguments, but at the end of the day, like it was, it was good. So it sounds like she was a very kind woman, patient, patient. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so just having that relatability, understanding that it's not the face is not mm-hmm. always the time that you're dealing with it's the bigger picture is what you should focus on and that's what I try to do with young chances don't look at you know the problems or always the issues that the kids see but how can we change them how mm-hmm. can we present a new image for them can we can we go back and talk about your journey um, before you got to setting up the foundation and how you went from being in the the safe covered environment um, if you're comfortable talking about it, oh, that's yeah. cool. That's part of that's part of life. Um, so, somewhere along the way, you became drawn into, let's say, a, a negative, presumably quite violent. I'm taking the uh, easy way out. Yeah, <laughs> fear. Yeah, well, that, I'd say that's a, we're going to come and ask that question about hard choices and easy choices, but the violent, fear-driven gang culture, and you ran a corner somewhere around here, I believe, yes. Tanny and Tasker. Yes. How did that come about, and how did you think? How did your upbringing and character help you survive what I assume is a very dangerous environment, or was a very dangerous environment? Um. I was one of the leaders of a specific unit. Right. Okay. And and I say that because like my position or role in our block wasn't the physical or the angry person. I wanted to be the one that provided for the neighbor but didn't have the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not an uh, easy way out for the conversation, but I had friends who were more angry than me, that were more aggressive than me, that if things didn't go our way, we had another way of getting it. But I also had a big picture of we can't live on this block going to war. Uh-huh. We can't have guns and drugs and all that stuff on the same block that we're trying to protect our kids from. So I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I wanted to take the approach that all the negative stuff that we do, that even though they see it, they won't mm-hmm. feel it. So we have block parties. We'll have cleanups. We'll talk to the neighbors and ask them what they wanted to do, even though like they knew. Like, why are so these? there was a positive side to the community and, and protection and, or development. Yes, because of, just like my grandma, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Like You can do something but understand your purpose, like understand why you're doing what you're doing. Like, And that's why I immediately say like it was the easy way out because – I could have easily went to college. I could have easily done those things, but it was easy. Mm-hmm. It was something that I was seeing every day, and I seen that other people didn't do it. Right. Oh, I can do it better. But doing something better at the wrong thing doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the, I guess, the downfalls of being in that position of knowing what's right from wrong and still doing wrong. During this phase, I understand you obviously encountered quite a bit of violence. You yes were injured 
shot 11 shot. times. That's Man. quite incredible in different incidents. Bless. That was covered. You know, that's why I really believe that, like, my grandma's big picture was not for that moment, but down the line. Like, she wasn't alive when I got shot, but being as though she prayed for me every day and she... God and her knew a, a bigger purpose for me, and and that's why I'm here. Like the the gunshots really mm-hmm. wasn't my setback, you know. Like going to jail wasn't that. It was. So where was the moment when you made that switch from the easy sort of choices to picking making a harder choice to say I'm gonna take what clearly is a very community driven. Um, passion and purpose that you have that's even when you were working the street and the corner you were trying to help the community how did what point was it in the prison or was it after prison that you thought i need to take a different route um i would say confirmation came when i was in jail but it was points throughout even being on the street where i knew it was time was almost up like even when i was shot like mm-hmm. laying on the ground you have that feeling, but your stubbornness always wants you to, to move forward. So, But what really confirmed it for me when I was in jail and the governor had put a... I was uh, here in Philly. And I was Yes, I was here actually in Housedale. Okay. It's about four to five hours away from here. And convicted of what? I was convicted of uh, selling drugs, uh, mm-hmm. manufacturing and delivering. And I was out for pro- parole and I got paroled, but governor had put a moratorium on parolees for violent acts and during the time I wasn't found guilty for any violent acts what came up was my past Mm -hmm. my juvenile record that really made me take a step back like it's amazing how when you're up to receive your get out of card but your past comes up and knocks on the door Mm -hmm. And, and it's a blessing because if I probably would have went home, I probably would have been dead. I probably would have. But it humbled me because it wasn't my turn. You know, it wasn't. I wasn't ready. You know, I really still was thinking that I had another year or another run in me. I can, you know, still come out here and do do me. Mm-hmm. And the classes that I took during that time really made me notice that I wasn't that if I was thinking that the easy way out or just doing your time would get some answers, wasn't it? And I started to focus on my business. I started to focus on what strengths that I had that I could bring home and not come back because I've seen a lot of people talk it like, oh, I'm not coming back, and they come but back. But it must be very hard for anyone. I mean, the, re- re- the incidence of repeat offense is obviously very high. And for what you've done, you must have come across a lot of temptation, a lot of pressure to, to sort of go back down that route. To design. But it is it's bigger picture. Like you can't it's the images in your head that you have to remove. Like jail is not in my head. Mm. Selling drugs is not in my head. Those picking up a gun is not something that I want to do. And that's what I try to erase from the kids every day. Like they see drugs they see paraphernalia they see aggression and fighting and there's no hope for tomorrow so you want to change those images like you know what you can be alive tomorrow like mm-hmm. you i know you have some friends that's been shot or never graduated or do but there's people out here that can push you to become that person you want to be 
I read a quote about the world he lived in, and it said um, it was a world that he'd been willing to die for, a world he had been willing to kill for, a world he had gone to war for. For me, that's as a big statement about commitment and sacrifice for that path that you were on at that t- point in time. It seems that you've transitioned that same uh, personal sacrifice and commitment to doing something purposeful and good um, from a negative side of life to a positive one. And that when that turning point turning point happened in prison or just after prison, what was the 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 motivator to actually say I'm going to create a foundation? Because a lot of people would have said, right, I'm just taking a positive route. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get a degree, get a job. You took a harder choice. You've said I'm going to actually create a foundation. What started that? Just looking at our kids, that like myself and my sister. Um, Knowing that nobody speaks for the Tyreeks, mm-hmm. the Nas, the Dames, the Jamirs, the you know, like it's hard to have somebody understand being the man of the house at twelve. It's hard to look another man in the face that's twenty five years old and say, Don't touch my little sister. Mm-hmm. Nobody speaks for that young man. Nobody says, you know what, yeah. My mom don't need to lay with you to feed us at night. Mm-hmm. Nobody really tells that young girl that just because you are have a big behind and you are blessed behind all measures and you're, you don't have to sell yourself short. And, and that's why I wanted to start it, that you don't have to limit yourself to what you see on TV or what you hear out here on the streets. Like there's an opportunity to be whatever you want at no cost. Like you don't. So you had that desire to create this um, this opportunity and to create a voice and, and a cover for the kids in the in South Philly. What barriers did you encounter initially when you came out? It was two thousand eleven. That it wasn't just the kids; it was the parents. It was a culture of failure that we accepted, you know, and when I go into a lot of meetings and I see events and programs and stuff like that, one of the things that I do that even I take from, you know, just being on the street is what's the problem? Mm -hmm. Like, why are you getting high? Why are you here? You know, what made you say that I'm going to attend this today instead of doing what you did every other day? And I try to expose them to that consistently like because sometimes we have an event for four hours and we forget that that person wanted an answer. And you may not be able to pride it for them within that four hours, but you have to be willing to say, you know what, how do I follow up? How do I make sure that I know that person can't read? Like I know that person has a child that doesn't have baby formula or that child wants to get on a football team, but the parent won't sign the application or they can't afford the equipment. What can we do to solve that problem? Because when you talk about gun violence, when you talk about teen pregnancies, a lot of them come from lack of resources. Mm-hmm. What do a kid want to do? They want to have fun. So if they come ask their mom or their dad, can I go play football? And the mom doesn't want to say no, but she can't afford it. She can't afford $150 for equipment. And then it's $25 dues. And then he need a jock strap. And then he going on a trip. 
But she got bills. She got another daughter that need hair done. The edges need to stay right because she can't go out in the community with her edges messed up. And that's stuff that, as a young girl, it goes a long way. Because mm-hmm. if you can't get your edges done and you got this creep on a corner saying that I can give you a couple of hours or you look good, that draws away from what that mom really trying to do. How can we help that mom? Mm-hmm. Because the young boy is not going to really keep asking his mom for money. Yeah. He's not going to keep putting his mom in a position where she has to tell him no. So he's going to say, you know what? How can I make it easier on my mom? How can I sacrifice myself to make sure that my mom is cool? And he may go out there and that's different guy may say, you know what? What you need? I got you. And you don't want that person to have a different type of cover. It's a different type of cover. And it's hard to replace that cover when it's consistently there. If you wake up every day and you smoking and you drinking and you got everything that you need, so to say, how am I going to come along and say, you know what, what you've been doing for the last five years is wrong. Mm-hmm. If you had an education, you could actually work for something. If you had sincere like confidence in yourself, you wouldn't sleep through the day because people confidence is shot. Oh, I'm, they're not going to give me the job. They're not going to. Why not? One of the things that we've asked a lot of other guests is there, we've seen a pattern. There is an, an element of chance encounters, accidents, um, or what's often called serendipitous events, things that just unexpectedly happened that helped people define their journey or the path that they took. Did anything happen when you got out of uh, jail that initially helped you start the foundation um, that you couldn't have predicted? Yeah, good friend of mine's... Um now, Sierra Livingston was uh, a good kid um, with, with some challenges, but he he wanted to play flag football at Vera down the street. And, and when we're talking football, we're meaning American football, yeah, not, American, soccer. not, not yeah. soccer. Not, not the one with <laughs> I was going to say, not Philadelphia. <laughs> but he... He came down the street on Taney Street, and at the time I was, you know, home and just chilling. You just got back. Yeah, I just got back. So, you know, I'm I'm just really trying to take a deep breath, just, you know, reliving life. Like, just, and he comes down the street, and he's using some very different language that a child should use. A little bit colorful. So I'm like... Nah, what are, what are you doing? He's like, man, they won't let me play football down there. Like, this our field. I'm like, nah, what, what do you mean they won't let you play? He's like, down the street, they won't let me play. All right, so I said, come on. We go down the street, talk to the guy. How old was this, uh, uh, this guy? Kid? Nah, I think it was 11. All oh, right. Okay. Time. So I talked to him, and, and the guy was honest. He said, uh, who are you? I said, uh, Tyreek, you know, I'm there. <laughs> they said I won't let him play football. You know, what's up? He says, you know, let me tell you something. They're bad. Every time they come here, they throw the football, they run around, they don't, they take it. it there, there won't be no league if they play. And I, I had to be honest with myself. Like, I looked at them, they were gone. So I'm looking around. I'm like, y'all got me in here trying to stick up for y'all, and y'all leave me. <laughs> so I said, yeah, I, I, I kind of understand what you mean, and I'm going to talk to them, and we can figure it out. And I was leaving, and he said, but if you want to coach them, ah. you can coach them. So I said, no. Wait a minute. So this guy was a coach. He ran the rec center at oh, right. Vare, and. Uh. He said, if you want to coach him, you can coach him. I said, well, listen, that, that's not what I came here for. What I came here <laughs> for was to figure out 
why they couldn't mm-hmm. play in this school from there. So I go back to Taney Street and I'm there sitting on the step. Nah, we ball them. And I'm like, how y'all leave me at there when y'all wanted to play football? No, nah, because they're going to be lying and you're going to get mad. I'm like, no, no. I said, did you play football as a kid? No, I, I, I don't like to get hit and you can't hit them back at the time. So <laughs> football wasn't on my, my list. That's why I played basketball. Mm-hmm. If you foul me, I got to go to the free throw line and shoot. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> football, no. But I, I asked them two things. I said, do you act the same way that you act on Taney Street at Vare? Yeah. I said, oh, you can't. No. What you do on Taney Street, <laughs> you can't do at Vare. And they looked at me like, why? And as an adult, it's a logical thing to say at 11 if that's the way you've been socialized. And that's the point. Yeah. As an adult, I'm sitting there like, you should know. You know. But then I took a step back and said, who told him? Who told them anything different? Yeah. Who showed them the structure of a game? Who showed them how to be a young man? So he must think that taking the football and running and having an adult chase him is normal. But it's disruptive. Mm-hmm. So I made a deal with him. I said, if we could get in this league, y'all can't act the same way y'all act that there. They suck their teeth. No, because what you're saying, I'm like, listen, if we go and play... Y'all have to act a certain way. It's not what you do. It's how, how you, you do, do it. it. All right, whatever. All right, sure. So the next day we go back over there, and they're all out there on their bikes and stuff. So I go talk to Bill, and I'm like, all right, listen, this is what we're going to do. I'm, I'll go to coach him. Like, what do they need to do to play? So he goes, and he has me in his packet, and he says, you need to sign these. I said, for who? <laughs> I'm like, it's like 12 of them. And not like, you're going to sign mine. And I'm like, no, I can't sign yours because I'm not your parent. But then it hit me again. Who is his parent? His mom passed away. His father works hard. His brother is in the streets, don't like raising him. So reality came that, like, if he's asking all these questions, and nobody's going to take the time mm-hmm. and answer them right. What is he going to do? Where is he going to go at? So I said, all right, I'll sign you. And then I look, and it was 10 other boys just like him. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to sign. But I looked at Bill, and I said, I can't sign. He said, are you their guardian? And it hit me, and I'm like, wow. How do, how do I answer No. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how do I say I'm not going to sign a paper when I am the guardian? The name came up because I'm sitting there. He said, so what are you going to name him? And I said, I'm football team. He said, no, you can't be a football team. It's like basketball. You could pick an animal. You could pick any of that stuff. And I go home. And well, I wasn't home. I was on Taney Street in the basement. And the ideas just start coming. And I'm like. It's just young, these the kids, and I just said, all right, I'm, we're going to play. I said, I'm going to give y'all a chance. Y'all go down and play, and we're done. And it hit me that I young chances. And that's like my grandmom's last name. Her name is Roberta Chance, and I just said, ah. this is... <laughs> Here it comes. Okay, this is interesting. This is something that I'm... That has to be mm. given, yeah. you know, like young chances, and... I went there and I told Bill and he said, what? I said, it's Young Chances. And he was like, like the name, uh, the football. I said, yeah, that's the name of it. Mm-hmm. And I went around to 
a lot of the people who I worked with previously in the street life, and I said, I need some help with something. And I, I noticed soon the sign. They said, all right, what do you need? Like, I got you. And I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Different ask. This, this, I said, this is different. I said, I, so I'm doing this football thing, and the kids need some shirts. And they're like, what you mean? I'm like, like I want to get them some shirts. You know, we're going to play some stuff. And they're like, all right, well, just tell me how much it costs, and I got you. So, I, you know, when people say they got you, I'm like, all right, whatever. So it comes up, and the kids are playing. And, well, now they went 9-1. And won the chip, and I and I told them I said, "Now what do y'all want?" So we had a community barbecue, and the kids played the adults, and they were looking like this is all we wanted. We wanted an opportunity to play. Uh-huh. We wanted an opportunity to be out here on the field with everybody else, mm-hmm. and it took away a lot of their frustrations. It took away a lot of their not feeling accepted, not being a part of something and i said you know what like what are y'all gonna do tomorrow and they didn't have an answer so i said all right well you know y'all gonna have practice and they're like for what i was like because the adult league y'all can play in the adult league so i like i really was just throwing it out there like mm-hmm. see if they're gonna take the bait and they said yeah and then Nah comes on the block, and this is why I, I love Nah. And he comes, he says, "So we need cheerleaders. We need a <laughs> like. What do you mean you need cheerleaders?" Then I sat and and I thought, "It's not what you do; it's how you do it." And my grandma, she came up again in my mind. And while I was incarcerated, my sister started to dance, and she danced just like cocoa and cream. And it frustrated me, and I and I didn't. Accepted. I didn't understand like how could Reek's sister, how could I made sure that she was cool, but nobody was out there covering her. Mm-hmm. Nobody showed her the difference for your worth. Like nobody gave her an opportunity to succeed. So I said, "All right, I think I know what I'm gonna do." Started a dance team, and I I told the girls that. Was this just a time period? Was this within the year? Within a month. Wow. So we had the league. We had the drill. So the football team came, and then the following day, I met with a lot of the girls because the girls were coming to the football games and watching them play and, you know, taking their sneakers and running. And I'm telling the girls, you can't do this. And they're like, why? They can play on the field. And we. So this must have been uh, uh, got around the community really quickly. Real, real, really fast. Because it's transformed. He's come back. He's just, but with the side eye, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is he doing? Yeah. Like, he's about to have a whole new Carter community out here. No, <laughs> not doing that. But it, it, it helped them because they said, well, we want dance. It was twerking. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know anything. Like I, I knew that like they danced, but when I seen like I said, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what y'all gonna do is something a little different." And this is why, like, I, I love how God works. Like He put a different team around me, and there would never probably be a day and time where I would ask the police department to help me. Mm-hmm. And there was a flyer on the ground and in my house on Ann Street, and it had balloons. It had moon bounces or like characters on it and I see it it says fun day so what catches me is the fun day so as I'm reading 
It says sponsored by the Seventeenth Police Department. This is not what Reek does. <laughs> we can figure this out somewhere else. But as I'm sitting in the house, my grandma has. It, it, it's not what you do; it's how you mm-hmm. do it. And I called a number. And I'm like, um, my name is Tariq. I got this dance group, and it says y'all looking for performers. And the guy says, well, who are you calling? Like, I said, I'm calling for fun day. They was like, all right, hold on. And pass me through. Uh, I, I would never, like, just warrior and blessing in my life was Officer Gibson. And he answered the phone. He said, hello, may I help you? This is Officer Gibson. I'm like, you know, a welcoming. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes. I said, I'm, I'm Tariq. I, I got this girls, and they want to dance at your fun day. And he said, all right, all right come on down. Um, where you? Can you come to the district? I said, no, no, I can't come to the district. Like to the seventeenth, like right there. He said, all right, well, where are you at? I said, on Twenty Seventh Street. And he said, I'll be right there. And I'm like, were you coming? <laughs> I said, no, no. All right, meet me at the playground. Like, cause you know, I'm like, we don't. This ain't it. <laughs> he pulls up and at the playground, he says, Tyreek. And I see him, and he recognizes me. Ah, like this is. So I said, "Yeah, I'm doing." And he gave me this look, like, "All right, well, what do you need?" And like for me, it like I took a step back because I'm so used to covering my neighborhood and making sure that they mm. don't have that. I met this man at a playground, thinking that I'm protecting him. When he came to help, he came to make sure that. Whoever was on the other end of the line got some resources and got some information and got some stuff, and he didn't judge me. He didn't say, well, you sold all. You did. No, he said, what do you need? I said, well, I got these girls that want to dance. You know, they want some uniforms. I don't know what to do. And he said, all right, I'm going to go back to the district, and I'm going to talk to my captain, and I'll get back with you. Literally, like in an hour, he calls me back and says, how many kids you have in the thing? We're going to get you some shirts and all that stuff. And you come down here and everything will be good. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So I tell the girls, I said, listen, y'all got practice. I call one of um, the lady friends I know. And I said, listen, some girls, they want to dance, but they can't do that twerking stuff. They can't. They cannot do that shaking. The she was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, this is what I love. I did a drill, too, when I was a kid. I'm like, whatever. How much you like teach them to uh. do the stuff? They just can't shake their booty and all that right. stuff. Literally, like, with got me was i thought it was going to be about you know four or five girls you know they go in there and this is a var ever yes Vare. i go yeah. inside the gym and it's about 30 girls in there wow and i'm like well i told him we got 16 people like <laughs> i'm thinking about the shirts we gotta get these kids some shirts. So you're a football coach and a dance a coach fo- now and a dance coach <laughs> at all the same time i'm like well what am i going to do with these kids but when as i looked like my grandma just kept coming up it wasn't the kids in the room it was the issues mm-hmm. like how did they all come to this playground at the same time for one thing mm-hmm. but they all had their own separate problems how can we address that and what I came up with partnering with other young ladies and women in the community that done etiquette classes that did like hygiene stuff that taught them about teen pregnancy, about knowing the old head and who's your friend and who's not just so 
that would be their way to come to dance. Like, cause I, I couldn't dance. I couldn't do it. So I said, well, the only way that you come, I'm not going to charge you anything, but you have to learn something different. You have to go to these classes. You have to do those things. And they did it. Like they sucked their teeth. They rolled their eyes at me. They called me all types of names, but they went to them programs. Uh-huh. They did those classes. And when they came to dance class, it was their outlet. It was their, they got to scream, without getting in trouble they got to express themselves without being judged and it went a long way for them because i asked them like y'all still can't dance so what you can't dance either got it <laughs> put them in a dance competition and they won every last one so i had to stop talking trash to them like oh they are yeah. actually like talented but when you take a step back it's like how many people expose them to that mm-hmm. because when you turn on social media all you see is the shaking of the booties. You have to wear tights. You gotta have a. You gotta have. You have to be a certain image to be successful or to be liked or loved. But you don't have to be like to run and be a successful woman or a man. All you have to do is be yourself. So how did you go about? I mean, taking. I mean, you obviously took on football and the dance, but you covered some other sort of broader issues that these girls and probably some of the guys were dealing with as well in the community around education sexual education and the sort of the the peer pressure that comes from sort of bad maybe bad use of social media you must have required help from people within the community to achieve some of these these transformations how did you draw on the right people and 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 how willing were people to help you um so one of the things that I appreciate what our community is. They don't tell you they love you. They don't say thank you. They just show up. Mm-hmm. You won't get the person that says, you know what, Tariq, I really, really like your kids. Like, I couldn't read, I couldn't write. But if they show up, if they say what you're doing, if they suck their teeth at you, they want your help. And I never got anybody tell me, stop what you're doing. Why are you doing this? It was... Oh my God, I'm so happy. I don't care even if you doing it. Those things go a long way mm-hmm. because they've been wanting it in accident and nobody gave them those answers. So the help came from actually the people that you think won't help you. The actual people who was getting high, mm-hmm. who were some of the drug dealers in the community, some of the kids who were products of drug relationships their parents their selves some of my volunteers and interns are 16 17 18 years old who have taken care of their brothers and sisters since they were nine and ten that's the reality that we live in that's like Rick, how can i give back i'm like you were just in young chances two years ago what are you talking about like what <laughs> you know but they understand like i got a sister i got a cousin i have somebody that need this program it's not going to ask and i know that you're going to help them and the people around me, like the Miss Donners, the Miss Lezes, Courtney's, the Mayas, and Mika Outlaws, who just come and, and do what they do with, without asking, is it goes a long way because they need those women that look like them, that dress like them, that's from the neighborhood that they can relate to. Just like the Maws and the Tellies and the Lils who come home and, and work and, and build organizations and programs from the ground. like other young men in the community can respect that. Like, it's a lot of businesses that I see that's going on that we used to sit at the table as 
drug dealers and shooters and now we're like listen we're going to do this event what y'all need what you and it's love so you're seeing a transformation in the yes. whole community not just of the the, the kids you've been working with yes it's it's the quality of what you see every day mm. like a parent that's out working wants to know that she come home her child is cool so if you have people in your community that's taking care of your kids that you know that all right i'm out here working because maybe the baby father or the husband is working too or maybe incarcerated or maybe may not be together but that's not the kid's fault mm-hmm. you know like why shouldn't the kid be able to enjoy life and do what they have to do? how are you um are there other i mean you've obviously got a lot of lessons and insights into and, and things you've learned over the since 2011 is there a way for you to pass these uh, insights and experiences on to other cities and other programs that may be trying to do similar things yeah, so what I, I try to do is just connect with the, the core of the community and the people who want to change. Um, one of the things I ask a lot of people when we first meet are, are you ready? And, and and I say that because are you ready for people to call you everything that you don't want to be called? A rat, uh, a sellout. You know, those are the type of things that you have to be ready for because when you want change, you're not going to be the same person. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be the person that they're comfortable with. You're going to have to sit in rooms and at table that people that don't like you because you represent change. You represent what they're not used to. Mm-hmm. Well, and, change is uh, aligned with fear, isn't yeah, it? And, and, and fear is something that we don't deal with a lot in our community. And, and I say in our community, that's what we deal with depression. We deal with anger and, you know, just financial troubles because we fear going to get that new job or we fear counseling. We fear just having a conversation with a loved one when your family is messed up for the last 15, 20 years. Like having that conversation is is something that's just not in South Philly or with me. It's with the person who wants to start it. Cincinnati, Chicago, Los Angeles, Detroit, mm-hmm. New Orleans. They have people in the community that they respect, but who's ready to take those hits? Who's ready to say, you know what, I'm going to be the guy that that gets the target on his back. You know, that that, that gets the looks, but the community is going to support you. They're going to come to those events. They're going to send their child to them summer camps. They're going to come to them employment sessions, them mental health fairs, because they know that it's for them. And what's happening with the, the business community in Philadelphia? Are they, are they beginning to reach out? Because it's a community. These are talented kids that are under... Uh, un- have lack of resources, lack of opportunity, and you're giving them the sort of the self confidence, the self belief that must be a great resource for the business community. Is there um, uh, are there conversations opening up to provide these kids with opportunities beyond the the football field and the dance competition? Yeah, and, and that's why I think our relationship with our elected officials is is very very key in what we're doing. Um, just just working on the ground. Um, the support of our state senator, uh, Anthony Williams, our state representative, John Harris, um, just our local police department and things like that has basically enhanced what we've done. But one of the main supporters that we have just around here is, you know, Councilman Kenyatta Johnson, who makes sure that just a lot of the the red tape that goes on to providing quality resources for the youth and just connecting to a lot of the resources that's out there for kids helps and that comes along with the businesses um across the street we have um eight brothers supermarket cello who is a a day-to-day 
uh, person else that's with us, like even with like the cameras or if we need waters, things like that, just helping us because he's in the he's on a corner mm-hmm. of one of the most traffic down here in South Philadelphia. So my thing is just showing them the importance of it, uh-huh. you know, importance of giving back and showing the kids that they can work, that they can, you know, have some stuff down there. And when they're spending their money here, that some of the money is coming back too. Um, I, I haven't personally with our organization reached out to a lot of businesses because I'm I'm still on the ground. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't ask for for donations or anything like you can probably see the building is not done. because Yeah, I, but that might be further down the road. I mean, once you've got this established, I mean, yeah. presum- OK, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what's your vision let's, for the next 10 years. Where do you see this going? Um, I, re- I really want to have a whole community of stakeholders that's going out and just olive branch into uh, all areas of the community i'm selfish to the point where i want to make sure that it's house by house not block by block Uh. um because sometimes when you do the block by block you miss that person you miss that house that could damage the whole community and i believe that if one apple is bad your whole bunch is bad why not go door to door the same way that elections people said you got a door knock Mm-hmm. Do resource knocking. Knock on somebody's door and you ask every person that's in that house, what do they need? What what can make your day better? How would you feel comfortable going into tomorrow? One block doesn't speak for what's going on in your back room. And that's that's my approach is providing small centers like this one that we're in, providing bigger ones with on a political uh, landscape for them to see that their neighbors, their constituents are inside houses that need help, not blocks. Not. But it sounds like a really good model for change, that if you can actually sort of achieve that here and create these changing behaviors, then it becomes a model that the city, the governor, the state can then say, OK, let's take that model from yes. South Philly and Tyreek's model and then transfer it to other communities. It's not what you do, it's how you do Wait, it. Exactly. Coming back to your grandmother. I want to ask you a question about you. I mean, you're very energized. You're very positive. We're living through probably the most challenging, certainly the most challenging times of my life, our lifetime, leaving aside what you went through in your early years. We're facing social injustice, persistent gun crime doesn't seem to be going away, an opioid crisis of epidemic proportions. How do you remain so focused, positive and energized because I still got a house to take care of. Mm-hmm. I still have the next door neighbor who issue is just the same as what you see on CNN. And ABC six is no different from the South Philly review. Like it's that doesn't deter me from seeing the kids that I have to see every day. I have to see kids and mothers who are struggling. Mm-hmm. Like I real respects to everything that's going on around the country, but South Philly is here. Southwest, yeah. you know, like my daughter is 13 years old. I really care about, you know, other people around the country, but how are my daughter friends dealing Mm -hmm. with going to high school? How are she's dealing with bullying in her school? Do her teachers have all the supplies that they need? Like, how is their class trip going to be going on? Because Mm -hmm. that's the trauma that the kids are dealing with every day, not being able to get a class picture, not being able to have access to hot water to go to school clean. And, and I know that our political climate right now overall in the country doesn't probably represent that, but mm-hmm. that's the change that moves the 
people up top, like knowing the struggles and the tax cuts and fair funding for education and safe streets and borders is cool. I get that. Mm -hmm. But if a kid can't walk outside their house, what are you bordering? If a kid can't read and write, where's the fair funding? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that I, I see on TV that I I just can't digest because it's happening every day with Mm -hmm. the kids that, and the families that we deal with here. Yeah. Okay. Well, that leads me to a question. Let's just say you were handed the key to the mayor's office. <laughs> Even better, um, the keys to the White House. Um, what would be the changes you would make? I mean, because you would have then control your your house, your block, your street. It would it would be the country or it would be the state. What would you do to um, create more opportunities? Maybe an education and um, opportunity for disadvantaged youth. I would first start off by um, establishing a fund for the communities um, and having advisors in that community get compensated for their thoughts. Mm Because a lot of times, just the idea of change needs to have some type of reward. Sometimes just the thought of filling out a grant or doing something is painstaking because now you have... Are they going to give it to me? How much am I going to give? Like, who can I really help? You need to have a kickstart of, you know what, this is, I'm going to give you this minimum right here, and let's see what you can do. And the bank will just start off with three major things that that community needs. If it's mental health, if it's teen pregnancy, education, things like that, and focus on area and land that you can put those resources in one neutral place for that community to have access to and have that funded federally for throughout that whole community. Don't have it on the taxpayers of the local economy. Have it like a rainy day fund because right now it's storming. Mm -hmm. Let's put hot spots around the community to give our kids literacy that they need all the way around, you know, the, the spectrum and having representation to teach the next generation, mm-hmm. having them as leaders and and learning from the people that can give them those, I, I would say, small things that they could turn into big. Because I, I don't believe in giving everything to a person. Have them see their gift that they can improve with because nobody wants handouts they just want some help Mm -hmm. they just want to be able to say you know what i got myself out of a tough situation and that's 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 what i I would think would be my first thing just enhancing the community making sure empowering them and then focusing on just building spectrums that people who don't have I'm not going to say political views or religious views, but just want to be themselves. Mm-hmm. That That's not caught up in what you see on TV every day or just an open space. Like I saw my next door just having a welcome garden because a lot of times the titles confuse people. People just want to be, want to be themselves. And, and there's so many barriers that take away from the natural existence of who we are. I just want to bring people back to who they are and not put masks on themselves and not just being held to titles and situations. So what's your 
uh, I mean, you're a non-for-profit. <clears throat> How are you surviving? How are you building this? Um, because it has grown as a program and a foundation over the years. So How are you continuing to I develop I have support it? from our, you know, our, our councilman has uh, definitely looked out for us. Our state senator, our elected officials, Jordan Harris. Um, we get you know, support from Bethana, a lot of community groups around the organization. We don't look for the monetary. We look for the resources. We look for the relationships that people know that it's affecting our community. Like when I, I call people, I call people because I know that their heart ain't for themselves. I know that if I say we're going to go do something, they like, all right, this is what we do. Let's go. They're not asking for anything back. They want to give to the next person. And that's what makes it, it easier for us to grow. Mm-hmm. Like it, it makes it easier because I'm not looking for something that's going to take away from what makes them move forward. You know, I I know that like not having an education is the quote unquote degrees is sometimes a hurdle. But if you can read, if you can count, if you can get to that step where you know what now I can go into a GED class, now I could do that. That's the type of people that I you know assist with, and it's not the money. You know, maybe I can change my thinking and go into that. But that's where I come from. The street. It wasn't about selling the drugs it was about making the situations better you know how do we partner and build a coalition that's together like and how closely are you working with local schools i'm in three schools right now doing uh mentoring programs with uh fourth and fifth graders mm-hmm. um for those people that are listening outside the u.s that don't know what fourth and fifth graders are so fourth and fifth graders are middle school i guess mm-hmm. um so maybe about 13 14 years old uh eight nine. Oh, eight, nine. Right. yeah okay uh, the 13 14 ones would be like the high schoolers okay. moving into that yeah. um and the reason why i go there is because a lot of conversations that i had with my grandma was around that time and it stuck well it is a defining time up to a child up to around the and, age eight and i believe out. that if you can have some type of voice in your head telling you something positive that it just might stick. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I go into the schools, I, I tell the principals or the counselors and all of them that I'm looking for a list of kids that may be on the way out the door. I don't want the straight A kids. I don't, you know, and, and I respect them because they, they, they got what they what So I this want. is you going house to house, really, isn't yeah, it? I, I want the, the one that you're you're on the borderline of saying, you know what, we're sending them to another school. Mm-hmm. Let me try first. And it's been working. It's, uh, I remember the first week that I came in there, it was some furniture moving and some stuff like that. But now it is, Mr. Tyreek, why are you late? Why you ain't come? Well, it's consistency, isn't it's, it? So I think it's an important and thing. And that goes, that goes a long way with the people who you're dealing with because they're, they're used to people coming in saying some stuff giving them some hope oh yeah we're gonna do this such and such and it doesn't work out for them mm-hmm. or they don't show up or they're looking for well you said you was and there's no follow through and that's one thing that I don't deal with like even with the people that excuse me that I partner with and we try to build relationship with it's, that's one of the things that if you want to probably see a different side of me is when you screw the community or you tell them that you're going to do something and you're not 
or you use them to get over, that's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's when I have to say, like, all right, our relationship is not going to be the same because you're using what we're trying to change. And that's the side of this work that's uncomfortable sometimes because you have a lot of people abusing their right to change. They're abusing the people that they're actually speaking to help. And that frustrates me as a leader because I see the funds and I see some of the resources going and being misused. And when I see a child that doesn't have school supplies and, or I see a parent who electric got turned off and then I see an organization or a person or you just messed up somebody like you could have contributed to some violence. You couldn't contribute to some domestic violence going on in the home because those resources or those access to stuff wasn't there because you took advantage because you thought about self. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's some of the challenges that I go through and I'm working on as, you know, as even as a man, you know, personally, because I never disrespected the person who was getting high. I never stole, robbed those any drug because that's not what you're in it for that brings us precisely to the next question and i've got to do some quick fire questions what principles do you stand by um god first Mm -hmm. family and you walk by faith and not by sight brilliant i just really believe that you know like it's if friends if situations come in your your way it's not you to question it if you to go through and figure out what's the best thing to take out from it even if your relationship don't last long even if a situation don't turn out right right what was your experience you know what guided you through this you know and god if you protect your family and you make sure that it's faith that you're walking with and not the stuff that's in front of you you're good and that's why I think I'm really comfortable with my organization because I don't see no grand scale of things. I see each person. Mm-hmm. He's like, I didn't believe that I was going to have a building. I didn't believe that I was going to come home and start an organization. But you walk by faith and not by sight and you'll be, you'll be good. That's right? great advice. What hard choices have you had to make along the way that may have been tough at the time but turned out to be the right decisions in the end? Going hungry, nights, not asking for the easy way out, accepting that I'm not what people think they see. One of the things that I believe as as a man and particularly as a black man is having that image of not feeling pain, not crying, not saying I love you to another man like removing that is is tough especially talking to another man mm. and you tell that man you love them in this and, community and the attitude com- of where you've grown up even yeah. even kids like mm. when you tell another young man I love you bro mm. they look at you. you know but it's to yourself you know like you have to say it. if I'm going to say it and if they respect where I'm coming from they will get it Mm-hmm. You know, they will understand why he's saying I love you. He, do you understand why 
He's in the police department talking to the ops because he loves us. Mm-hmm. Like you will understand like why he's standing there with any of any race, any sexual background, because I know that regardless of who you are, if you love another woman, you love another man, if you're black, you're white, you're skinny, you're, you're still human. And you need love too. Where do you go to have new ideas or when you need space to think yourself to get away from, from some of this? There's a couple places. Sometimes uh, I go to church and it's just to to get that feeling back with, you know, just being around my grandma and family and just, just knowing that everything is going to be all right. Um, sometimes I sit in the room and I just listen to like music and all different types of like genres just to feel where different people came from like because regardless of what the language it is Uh it's all pain it's love it's experiences and regardless of what year or era it's from it's the same language and I just try to get myself back into those like moods of it's gonna be art like Mm -hmm. you know what like tomorrow is coming keep grinding today because I, I I get it like it's like happiness is sometimes droughts like in like people understand now probably what I'm talking droughts like it even like district people oh it's not there but you forget about it once you are happy again you forget about you know the struggle once you see just a little bit of hope and and your future in yourself how do you keep up with technology or how important is technology for the foundation the kids it's yeah. one of the great <laughs> assets of having kids around you yeah, but they're going to have you twerking on social media. Hey, you listen, know, that's, that's why I take myself out the video. I say, listen, crop me out of that. How do y'all do that? <laughs> but that's having them around. You know, that's that's the give and take of this organization. Like, I, I, I tell them all the time, like, I'm willing to ride with y'all to the bitter end. As long as we don't go to jail, we get indicted. How do we figure this out? Mm-hmm. You know, because th- no no idea or dream or situation is bigger than them. You know, and I, and I tell them, like, whatever's on social media, y'all think of it, let's, let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. Or y'all make the next social media app. Great advice. Out. Yeah. And they look at me, oh, well, let's go to a meeting. All right, I know how to shut y'all up then. And then we go yeah. from there. But you, you give them more reason to succeed than it is to fail. Yeah. And that's where, you know, staying up with the internet and the dances and all that stuff. Like, I tell them, like, all right, you could do all these dances, but do you know who James Brown is? You know who Gloria And then they, no, all right, well, that's your thing. Mm-hmm. And then do something where a timetable of learning how this came up, how twerking came up. Because it came up from burlesque dancing. Yeah. It came off of it, like, understand who was the best one. Who did this stuff on there? And they start to see a different side of Reek. Like, oh, it's two sides. Yes, it's two sides yeah. to everything. Okay. So they have to keep up with Reek, too. Because I throw an encyclopedia at them, too. They don't know what books are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to come books. Um, but with the, the impossible question we have to ask, which is, if you were to offer advice to someone, let's say, 20 years younger than you, or maybe... Uh, 20 years old who may have a dream a goal a grand ambition but are either being told by friends and family nah forget it that's impossible you'll never do it that aren't giving them the belief what would your advice to them be why do you ask people for advice like I never call anybody and say you think I should do this you think I do it and if I mess up I figure out how to make it right the best advice to some people I tell them is taking that step 
Sometimes if you fail, you see more achievements in it than anything. Totally true. Like there's nobody can tell me that. Oh, your organization. Why? You know, our our advice is is a hindrance Mm -hmm. because now it puts another image in your head. You know, go walk by faith and not by sight. Okay. Thank you for that. Final two questions. Um, We want to offer um, either some sort of resource to listeners that come up with the best comments, either a book or something, a resource they should go to. Is there anything you would uh, recommend that people either read or rely on that we can share with them? Oh, wow. Um, For me, oh, anything that makes them happy. For me, like, it's... It's music, it's, it's writing, mm-hmm. it's being with my daughters. Um, I listen to a lot of speeches um, in my head and, you know, YouTube. Who's your inspiration? Um, I have a lot. Um, I just be, I, I listen to Dr. King, I listen mm-hmm. to Malcolm X, Mark Garvey, uh, Mark Twain. I just, I just like the diverse nature mm-hmm. of how people speak now. You know, okay. just understanding their words and it's two things that where I go like when I'm feeling good sometimes I'll listen to understanding why I'm feeling good uh-huh. like a lot of people don't experience their happiness like why am I happy because I got up at 7 in the morning because I did not take that extra drink because I went home and you know like understanding what got me to this happy place so you can repeat it like it just didn't happen mm-hmm. I didn't wake up and become a millionaire I didn't wake up and become a star I practice you know this bump that's on my knee that's what happened you know this headache that I had for two weeks you may not see it now because I'm crying tears of joy but remember when you were frustrated you know and having that balance and then understanding why you're sad like what didn't I do to get that feeling mm-hmm. do you know where am I going to go at when I'm in a tight situation again and that's knowing yourself, like knowing what do you need to do to be you? Because you're not going to always be happy. You're not going to always be sad. But you need to also know you like this is me. I should have got up at seven. Well, why did I eat that? That's going to mess my stomach up and that's going to mess my day up. Like it sounds, it sounds to me, I mean, just to, to sum up, it sounds like you're providing these these kids this youth some great life lessons um some great wisdom to live by and as you said live by faith not by sight and not what you do is how you is how you do it and i think if um if these kids can embrace those two principles Mm -hmm. and start to form habits of behavior like you're saying of just taking the actions and doing stuff i think the community and the lives of these kids are, are going to be transformed so congratulations for that thank you and if we want to share on social media where people can follow you or find you um is there any particular resource they should check out yes we're on facebook at young chances y-o-u-n-g chances c-h-a-n-c-e-s and we're on instagram at Young Chances Foundation, which is our organization spelled all the way out, Y-O-U-N-G-C-H-A-N-C-E-S-F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N. Wonderful. And our final question, we'd like to ask our guests who we should interview next. Uh, is there anyone you would recommend we interview? 
Uh, I, I would say you interview, um, if I could put it out there for him, Councilman Kenyatta Johnson, just for yeah. his you know diverse background. Now he's into politics, but he comes from 18th Street, that you know the background where he was counted out at one point in time, and just how our relationship helps build one community. Um, probably be a great interview for you. He can give you more insight on, you know, the policy and, yeah. and any big picture that's coming up for the city and the state and maybe the country. Uh, well, that's um, something I'll be following up with you for that connection. Yes, that, uh, and thank you very much, Tariq. No problem. Reek. Thank you. And um, good luck. And I look forward to coming back in the summer in Philly once the Super Bowl has been reclaimed by the Eagles, <laughs> I hope, and to check out Lanier Park. Yeah, which is you your, past, man. We have, yeah. have some fun out there, man. Maybe yeah. do a, a community day, make an interview one of the kids. Out Sounds there. good, yeah. Um, Come by. Well, I'm just so you know, I'm and I used to run. I'm an, a bit older than you, but I used to run for Scotland. So if any kids want to come out or run with me and get some coaching, yeah, I'd be well, more than know, happy to you come. Know my last name is Glasgow, so you know. Well, maybe we'll, well there you go. That's you know, <laughs> they, so that's our connection right there. The one, the one connection between Glasgow sitting in front of me and Glasgow in <laughs> Scotland is we're we're sitting in a in a, a very cold uh, <laughs> house that's being transformed. So I feel like I'm in the west coast of Scotland at the moment with my feet. <laughs> Slightly icy, so I'm looking forward to getting on the you bus got back. Authentic, southerly welcome. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've got the Glaswegian welcome definitely in front there of me. <laughs> I should have brought some whiskey with me. Why didn't that I? Been worse. Bam, that'd there been you go. Better. Been okay, well, Tariq, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. And um, yeah, thanks again. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Okay. If you like the show, please subscribe and ideally give us a five star rating and a review because it helps more people find us. Just go to iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player to listen and subscribe. This show is an Impossible Network production and is produced by Bettina McKaylee and Elaine Castillo-Keller. But for now, be curious, be creative, and seek out serendipity. See you next time.